Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the greatest show on earth. It's lads, dads, and a couple of beers. Big Al and Dave chatting to a couple of peers, covering the topics that you're gonna wanna hear, making you laugh your ass off while holding back the tears. Crazy stories, celebrity guests. Come and take a minute to relieve some stress Regardless of your background, religion or wealth The most important conversation is about mental health Sponsored by F2B Clothing from Buntingford Brewery Welcome back to Lads, Dads and a Couple of Beers, man How's it going, lad? Alright What the fuck was that? <laughs> Mate, I've been in Manchester all weekend. Yeah, and you just... also just said you were ill. I mean, suddenly. Oh, yeah, Bill. I've got, look, I've got a bad nerve, <laughs> but maybe it's better if I speak Mancunian halfway through the episode, man. Quick maybe. smart, double quick smart. Mate, I was in Manchester all weekend. I've fallen in love with that city. Oh, really? Oh, it's so great. But before we do that, let's get into our sponsors. Okay. You go first. Thank you to our fantastic sponsors continuing to support us throughout. All the way into series two, the fantastic boys down at Bunningford Brewery, and I'm cracking open one of their bottles of Twitchell right now. There you go. Good Twitchell. Go on, boys. And I've got to say a massive thanks to the whole team down at F2B Clothing, where you are free to be who you want to be. And a percentage of their profits go to mental health charities. So go check them out. They do a great range of clothing. And I believe they've even got some new stuff coming out. They've well. got some new drops, fresh drops, blood. Blah, blah. We do apologise there was no episode last week. Purely simple that we're just so busy. There's just so much going yeah, on. Yeah, life is a bit hectic at the moment, I've got to admit. Um, I'm doing the whole secondary school thing for my oldest daughter, so I, I'm... Ah, uh, shite, man. Out in, the, out in the evening seeing secondary schools. And it is quite good fun. And um, I, I've got to shout out a, a young lady called Amanda Parker that contacted me after I went to one of these school... Uh, open evenings to say she'd seen me there and she couldn't understand where she recognised my big bald head and voice from. So, I oh, really, yeah, she we, listens to the podcast? Yeah, she listens to the podcast, a uh, wow. local girl. Um, but yeah, couldn't quite p- pinpoint where she figured that she knew me from. Um, I, was in the art, I was in the art department having a chat to some of the art teachers in there. So yeah, big shout out to Amanda. Thanks a lot for showing your appreciation to the podcast. That is lovely. But yeah, uh, the main thing about doing these open evenings is actually not seeing the secondary schools at all, Al. It's bumping into people that you went to school with that oh. you've got kids the same age. <laughs> Mate, how weird is that? I mean, I've not, I haven't got a worry about that at the moment, but yeah, that's just, I can imagine it, that being weird. Do you know pretty- if you're really old? It's pretty strange, yeah. I mean, like, luckily enough, I don't think any of my teachers are still even alive. But um, <laughs> what do you we, mean, luckily enough? <laughs> because they probably paint a very different picture to me to my daughter than me walking. Oh, around okay, fair saying, Oh, yeah, this is really nice. Yeah, you wouldn't concentrate at school, not like I did. And all yeah, that. this um, round the corner here is where your father had his first cigarette. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and here's when when he first got to second base. <laughs> so we went to Ridgeway Academy, which obviously back What's in that, that day was called Sir Frederick Osborne. All oh, right. Yeah. So we, we've been there and had a look around there. But hats off to that school and everything they do there and all the support oh. they give to the kids for the learning there. Very, very impressive. Yeah. Well, oh, brilliant. Good to hear. Good to hear. So, yeah, as, as I said in the intro, I've been in Manchester, haven't it, large? So tell us about it. Mate, uh, I've got to say, while I was doing our thank yous, thank you so much to Burnley FC Football Club for having us up there in hospitality. Um, nice. It was a fantastic day. We really enjoyed it. Um, thank you to the boys down and the girls down at. 20 stories in Manchester. It's a it's a rooftop bar. 
Ooh, I'm telling nice. you now, it is probably the best, swankiest bar I've ever been to. All oh, right. What? Like Weatherspoons? No, more like a Lloyd's. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> Chicago's. Yeah, the square and all yeah. things like that. <laughs> yeah, the academy. <laughs> the loft. No, I'll tell you what. We got there and it was all a bit all a bit lively. Manchester's mental anyway. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's just insane. And I've, got to, I've really got to say this. There's no ag. Yeah, Everyone's no, there, there just chilled we and like cool and calm and... Everyone's so welcoming and collective. I didn't see no bra- brawls. I just saw no agginess. You didn't get mm. that any bad vibe energy like you do going around London. Mm. And I've got to say, like, I, I bumped into some geese and it was holding my fault. I weren't working where I was going. And he, I stood on his toes. He had a pair of Gu- Gucci loafer wanker. Yeah, he had a nice. pair of Gu- white Gucci loafers on. I went, oh, geese, I'm so sorry. And he went, don't worry about it, man. It's all fucking love, isn't it? Come here, give us og. And he gave me a cut on. I'm like, I've just battered your trainers. Like, do you want me to get them clean? He went, no, don't worry about it. Mom will get it out of the wash, lad. Have a good night, yeah. Take care. I was just like, now if that was in, if that was in London, mm. I'm, I'm, I've got, I've got a nine inch blade in my, in my gut by now. Yeah, I was about to say you're having stitches, mate. Right. And and his Gucci loafers wouldn't have even been real in London. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we sit, we're sitting there, and we're, we're queuing up to get into this bar, and I'm like, all these like. The queue's quite big, but the bird come down. She goes, is there any three of you? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, oh, come to the front. We'll get you in. And I'm like, mm, thank you very much. Stand there. She goes, I've just, I've, I've got one table for you, but just there's someone coming in there and they need to have it. Geezer pulls up in a Rolls Royce, gets out with two birds. It was Jack Grealish. So nice. he bowls in, goes upstairs, sits at a table. And I'm like, all right, Jack. And he went, all right, guys, I'm going, how's it going? I can't do a Brummie accent, but um, he... And then we got in there, there's all these people in there, all swanky people, and there's just stuff sitting there drinking. I've got, I've got straight on the white Russians. What was his name? <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was absolutely cracking, but I'm, I'm feeling really positive at the moment. Life's good, oh, good. you know what I mean? Like we've uh, we've got come out of a bit of a blimp. We've had um, a Holly Matthews episode. But I have to say as well, our downloads have been insane. Yeah. Well, like, we've I mean, hit that, that... strides. That, that's got to be down to the ladies that have come on and really represented. So you yeah. think about Chrissy Wooner and and obviously wonderful Holly. Mm. Oh, I, I must admit, I'm I, I'm a very new Holly fan, and yeah, like, yeah, great, just, just phenomenal output she's doing all over the place and saying all the right things. And and, and we've like managed that. to pick up a good few guests off the back of Holly as well, like people that she's even recommended or put out away or we've got in contact with she's she's really heavily respected in the industry though yeah, as well yeah. so yeah lovely lovely girl really yeah, lovely fantastic girl fantastic it was and you know we, she, like I said she's just managed to steer us in the direction of some really hmm. great guests so we've got a massive announcement in the next week's episode as well we've got um, next, next week's episode we've got actually had a chat episode with a local hospice um, yes, we which, have, is a, yeah. which is a great episode we've already recorded it I've got to say and we was going to put it out last week but the reason there's one reason why we didn't, and that's because of the stature of the guest that we've got on this week. Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty. He's pretty big time, isn't he? Iconic in mm. Brit cult film, mm. and we've mm. been trying to get him on now for the best part of three months. And to be fair, he he's been nothing but kind and nice about it. Like he's just had a kid as well. He's a new yeah, he's father. Got a, he's got a busy life. He's got a lot he? on his plate. He's currently filming something at the moment. Can't talk too much mm. about it. And he's just given up his time to come do it. And it's going to be a really good chat. So look, let's keep the intro short. Without further ado, let's get him on. Mm, and you know, it, for once, you can do the intro. Oh, really? Oh, well. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Thomas Turgoose. 
How's it going? We're good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just saying um, a lot of people, normally the people on on the on this show have like a beer. Are you boys having a beer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, You're not having a beer? I was just saying, like, I, people would probably expect me to have a beer, but sadly I've just got a cup of tea, which is of a very good colour, I might add. It's you know a very what? good colour. It's a good colour. So I'm going for, that's a, what sort of ratio would you give that? That's sort of like. What, a one not, to ten? That's probably about an eight. Yeah, it's about an eight on the B&Q colour mm. chart, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I've not seen a B&Q colour chart, but I mean, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a process of making a good cup of tea, though, isn't there? Go on. Come on, then. Let's, let's, let's hear it. it. You put the tea bag in first and then you put the water in. Yep. And then you aggravate the bag. Aggravate, aggravate the bag. Aggravate I, I, the I, I used to say that about my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> you aggravate the bag, and then you put a bit of milk in. Then you aggravate further, get rid of the bag, and then it leaves you a good colour. I think. Wow, there you go. I love the terminology. Aggravate the bag. That's definitely something that people must think of. Like off the back of like this is England and stuff. They must think, oh my god, he's so rock star. He must not like, going out and getting. Getting bots instead. I'm just like really good at making cups of teas and vape. At least well, look, such a boring it, life. It's the first cup of tea that yeah. we've had on the podcast. We've had lots of spirits, beers, cocktails. We had a coffee not too long ago. Holly Matthews was drinking a coffee. So yeah, smoothie. Well, welcome, uh, welcome to the podcast. The the infamous British cup of tea. Well, we to be fair, have... I'm just coming off the back of a pot. I, I went on a stag do last weekend. Um, oh dear, weekend just gone. So I'm like. You're the whole it. classic, oh, I'm never drinking again. I'm, I'm very much in that stage still. How, well, how old are you, Tommy? 29. Oh, big 3-0 next year, mate. I know, mate. And I'll got it. That's, that's not too bad, though, is it? I so, quite uh, like enjoying my 30. If I, my 30 was, was a blinder. Yeah, 30's oh, a good, yeah. Good, good decade to be in. So yeah. let, let's do everybody and yourself the respect and justice of telling everybody who you are, what you're famous for, Tomo, and... People out there will know you from a certain character. So let's talk about that. Um, yeah, well, I'm assuming anyone who's clicked on the link now will know my name, Thomas Turgus. Um, and I Do you get that a lot where people actually don't know your name? Well, I normally, yeah, just get knobhead shouted at me in the street a lot. <laughs> yeah, that or ginger. I get that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I started acting at a very, very young age. I started when I was 13. Right. Um, probably most notable, uh, a film called This Is England, um, mm. which then led on to This Is England 86, 88 and 90 for Channel 4. Mm. Um, and yeah, man, just been like lucky enough to just, you know, hold a, a steady career. You know, I've, I've done other jobs as well. I've worked in, in pubs and whatnot. Um, you know, I think every actor goes through a stage where they think they don't want to be an actor anymore because they're not sure. getting any jobs and... Yeah, I think you just sort of lose your passion for it a little bit. But, you know, over the last couple of years, COVID excluded, I've just kind of like, I've been non-stop. And I think that sort of stems down to me growing up a lot. I, you know, I got mm. married, I got married three years ago mm. um, to my wife, Charlotte, who I've been with for a long time. And yeah, I think I just did a lot of growing up and realised that <clears throat> there was only one reason I wasn't getting the jobs that I was going for. And that's because I wasn't paying enough attention. That's because uh-huh. I'd much rather have been out on the piss with the boys when I was sort of 18, 19. Yeah, I just kind of like wasn't putting as much effort in as I can. And then it was by no mistake, no, no, by no accident that when I started putting a bit of work into the scripts that had been sent, you know, I started sort of regularly working. And uh, yeah, so that's my that's my craft, I think. So that how old were you? Room. How old were you when you did This Is England, the first one? 13, weren't you? Yeah, I was 13, yeah. So did you, did like, I remember how big that film was when it came out. Massive. And, it still is uh, now. 
yeah, yeah. And, and it's I one of just those... about in there, Dave. I saw a crazy stat on that, and you might not know this, Tomo, but it is the most played um, film, Brit film, on TV history. Oh, second, really? What? Do, do you know what? Yeah, over a uh, second to uh, Full Monty. No, Full Monty is second. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh well, there you go. That's I never knew that. Yeah. So did, did you did you find it hard growing up after that? I mean, obviously, this is England was massive. And then for you, like you said, going out on the piss with, with your mates, everybody must have known who you are. I mean, the, the iconic character of Sean Fields and everything like that. They, they, they knew they knew you, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I was only I was only 14 when it was released. So I wasn't going out to the pubs and, and whatnot. Um, and I'd to be honest, it. after off the, off the back of the film, I was so fortunate that I, I was non-stop working. So I was you did a lot of TV doing... appearances, didn't you, after that? A lot of TV. Yeah, stuff. I did a lot of that stuff. And, I, you know, I was fortunate enough to travel, you know, around the world pretty much with Shane Meadows, who wrote and directed it, mm. um, and Mark Herbert, who produced it, and, you know, a lot of the other cast. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time growing up with Stephen Graham, um, who obviously everyone will probably know, yeah. um, and still Stephen. do now. But, yeah, mm. I mean, I just kind of like, it just become very normal very quickly I think because I say I was only 13 so I was like I don't know I was still only a kid and then I sort of I, I just grew up overnight in a way mm, that, mm. I guess I, I, it just become very normal very quickly that people come up to me in the streets and you know people want to speak to me and and you know I kind of embraced it and I, my dad always said to me when I was a kid um, from a young age from I think he said it to me when I was 14 he said that every person who comes up to you and stops you in the street has sat and watched your film for an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So the least What's you can do is give them 30 it, seconds. Yeah. Yeah, the least great. you can do is give them 30 seconds of your time. And, you know, that always stuck in my mind. And, you know, if it wasn't for people watching the film, This Is England, we wouldn't have been able to go on and watch, uh, to, to make the series. And then, mm. you know, there's. I think Shane Meadows has given us all huge careers. And he's the yeah. reason that I'm talking to you guys now. Yeah, and, yeah I think, and I think the, the second I, I, I forget that and stop appreciating it, then it's time to stop doing it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That's so you good did. to hear as well. You're, you're yeah. still quite humbled by it all. Yeah, grounded. That's what yeah. I was going to say. A lot, to, a lot to... of people lose their way when they, like, who, I don't want to use the word child actor because I uh, I think sometimes when you call someone a child actor, that can be quite demeaning to their, their actual craft. But, you well, know, and, yeah. And essentially yeah, know working mean, from a just... working from a young age, you're still like grounded. And that thing that your dad says, I've heard you said that before in another podcast. And it, it's amazing that, you still carried that through because there's a lot of people even that we work with and see and, and they can be right dickheads about that kind of thing. Yeah, mm. I was I was I was just about to say the same thing out and like for me, now I might be completely wrong, Thomas, so so excuse me, but it it's quite um now Al will know what I'm saying here because we've we've had another guest that really rings bells when I talk about this. It's quite a northern respect thing. Yeah. That, you respect your fans, you stay grounded, you stay humble, you don't ever forget where you come from, you don't automatically turn into this Hollywood knob like no. quite a few people from the South would, let's just yeah. say. No, I, I agree on that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I get, I, I, would, I would never put it in a geographical sense, like mm. saying it was anything to do with it being Southern or Northern, you know, but people have had totally different experiences and it's kind of like, mm. I, th- I think the thing is, with, you know, uh, with me particularly, I had a, a, a huge amount of friends and family around me, including everybody that I met on This Is England. Um, you know, they was all there and so supportive of me. And, and Stephen Graham made my mum a promise at the end of the film 
when we was at the rap party and he said, I will never, ever just chuck Tomo away. You know, I'll, I'm always going to be in his life and I'm always going to guide him down the right path, whether that be with work, whether that be with teaching him how to be a man, you mm. know, and now teaching me how to be a parent and how to respect people. And, you know, people like Stephen Graham and, and Shane and all these kind of people, and not only people in the film industry, you know, I've had people that have come into my life as my friends from Grimsby, who if I'm being a prick, they'll tell me if I'm being a prick. Yeah. Um, and I think you need that in your life. And, and I, I was lucky that I had that big support network around me when I was growing up. Mm, um, yeah. Because, you know, I, I, I lost my mum at a young age. My mum passed away when I was 14. So she never got to see the film. So that was oh, a real turning point for me. It was kind of like, you know, I could have used losing my mum for, for bad and I could have gone off the rails and used that as an excuse or I could have used it as, as sorry, I could have That's used right. it as, I could have used it as an avenue where I can use it for the good. And, uh, you know, all I want to do now is make my mum proud. And, you know, she was there throughout the filming of, of This Is England, never got to see it, which, you know, I, I'm just grateful that she was there to experience mm, yeah. my life from that first day of filming it. Do you know what mm, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, man, you, 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 you know, bad things happen to people all the time. And it's just, I guess I was very fortunate and, I had my head screwed on enough and a lot of support around me to be able to use, you know, the bad for good. I think there's, mm. there's good in every bad situation. Mm. You speak so well about that. I've heard you speak before about grief and, um, and, and Dave can relate to that. Dave lost his father at a young age. Yeah. Um, I was, I was, I was, I was te- ah, mate, don't worry about it. Um, like you said, it, it can't be changed. And uh, yeah, hearing you talk just even in that brief little segment there, the, the strength in your voice is really apparent, Thomas. Mm. It really is. Um, yeah, man. It, lo- losing a parent is shit. It is really what? shit. Uh, and um, not not growing up with your parent is particularly hard. Funny enough, I I, I went I went to a, a funeral yesterday for a, for a family member who'd been poorly for a long time, and we was talking then about it, is it better to lose somebody when you're young or better to lose somebody when you're old? And both sides had the same argument that. Yeah, when when you lose someone when you're young, you feel like you're cheated. Like, I, like I'm only young. I should have that person and for another 30, 40 years and enjoy the rest of my life with them. But it's the same when the person is old when they've died. You've had them for that long amount of time. So does the the grief hurt more because you've had them for longer? So, yeah, look, I, I talk about grief a lot. I speak about grief a lot on here, and I I, I like to find up people's sittings on it and where they sit so my, my grief journey is like 30 years down the road my dad died 30 years ago so I'm very okay with talking about grief and funny enough some, some people that have been on that same 30-year journey still aren't they still can't mm. talk about mm. it and no no and yeah it is tough I mean I mean I was so, I don't want to say fortunate because I, you know a, a, a young boy or a, or a middle-aged man anyone losing someone close to me is difficult to take <laughs> But I was very fortunate that I was so distracted in a yeah, way. Busy with what was because going I on. was I don't want to say that I was too busy to grieve because, you know, I did my fair share of that and I still do now. And, you know, things like coming on this podcast with you guys, it's like therapy. And, you know, you, you, you sit and you talk about the bad things that have happened and you know, and you and you never you never ever stop thinking about the people that you've lost, whether it be a parent, a friend, a cousin, you know, you, you should never stop talking about it. I think mm. you know, you, you need to express how you feel and yeah. You know, everyone's been through the same thing. So I think, it, you know, if you can open up about it and, and be honest about it, I think, you know, it's that for me personally, it's the way forward. You know, people yeah. 
like you Definitely. say, deal with it differently. But and, yeah, and one the, one of the key things you spoke about there is that you're being busy. So 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 when you lost your mum, you were busy, and it was kind of a distraction. Um, one of the things that I was only speaking to about somebody else recently is is the whole running from grief. So. Um, my sister listens to this, so she, she won't mind me saying it. But um, when, after my father died, uh, my sister went traveling and went working abroad and everything like that. And it definitely felt like she was running from that grief rather than confronting it. Mm. She was running mm. away from it. And sooner or later, it will catch you. It will run faster than you can run and it will travel quicker than you can than travel. And she still deals with her grief battle a lot more now so it's still uh, uh, if she talks about my dad she still gets upset and things like mm. that and i wonder if that had anything to do with it do you have it is that sort of the same for you did you find that you was kind of running away from it and eventually you had to face no, up to i was it? never running away from it because mm. it was spoken about a lot in the mm. press yeah you yeah. know because during the release of the film you know, there were some scumbag reporters who asked me some awful questions about my mum who should never ask anybody, let alone a 14-year-old boy. Yeah, man. Um, and I kind of, you know, I, I think people just deal with it in the, in their own way. Um, mm. But yeah, It's, 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 it's such an it's influential such age as well, 14. Like, yeah, but know, I got so used to talking about it so quickly. I think that's what it was. It was do you think that's helped you? I think it did help, yeah, yeah you know, because there was... There was a lot of people, and I had a lot of people around me. Again, I, I know I keep referring back to people like Stephen and, and, and Shane, but you know they they was they was the first people that I rang when my yeah. mum went into the hospital. Then before I put the phone down, they was there in Grimsby. You know, it was yeah. they've always been a huge. I saw an interview, um, Stephen, and he was talking about you. You lived with him for a bit, didn't you? After your mum died? No, no, no. There, there was talks of it. You know. It oh, was okay. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was all kind of, because it, it was up in the air. My whole life was up in the air because, mm. you know, I'd, I'd spent my, I'd, I'd started my new, the new journey with these guys. Um, and I, when my mum passed away, I, I had to go and move in with my dad. And these guys had never met my dad. So it was kind of like, it was all up in the air and no one really knew what was going on. And yeah, it was yeah. all, yeah, it was all a very strange sort of time. But just going back to it, I think I was, I think I, I spoke about it a lot in, in terms of like with press, with people around me. And I think that's just how people, how I personally dealt with the grief of it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. When me and my sister spoke, one of my other sisters spoke about it recently and that it was so wi wi widely spoken about when we were growing up that it, it wasn't like you ever hid from it do you know what i mean you never bottled up how you you felt about it no. so you were you were encouraged to embrace the feelings that you're experiencing and if you had a down day what made you feel down and did you want to talk to dad and did we want to have counseling i remember that question being asked quite early on but my mum did did we feel like we needed to have counseling it wasn't something that i at 10 years old wanted to do my my sister did and my mum did but it wasn't something I, no, I, and I, that's I just a preference. Yeah, and definitely. How people, you know, it's some people are stronger than others. That some people mm. deal with things totally differently. And it sounds know, like uh, you've got your therapy through through work. It, yeah, genuinely, it really is. Mm. And and I channel and I and I take everything that happened to me as a kid. Not only you know losing my mum, I lost a real close friend of mine, Calvin, in a car accident um, when we was really young, um, and things like that. You know, you, I take things like that and I. 
I build from it and I, you mm. know, I put that into my performances and, you know, I take myself to, to emotional places when I'm, when I'm having to take myself to those places for, for a part, you know, yeah. it's kind of, and you see that you do of, see you that. You can use it as a tool. That's yeah. really, that's really let's, something that let's talk about that because that's really, I, I'm all about the details, Thomas. And I, I, lo- I love stuff like that. So be, being an actor and when they tell you, you've got to be upset and you've got, got to cry on, on film, like how, how easy is it to get yourself in there? And how is this, is it then to not, get yourself out of there? It's, yeah, it's, you know, to take yourself to that place personally for me is not difficult to get there, but it's when, when you don't, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's, I, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate that I don't, you know, struggle with, with it personally. Um, I mean, but I mean, I, I guess I do because, you know, I, I'll be putting funeral songs on and I'll be going back through memories of being with my mom or being with Calvin or not only that, you know, bad breakups or, you know, mm. the, the things that I've done that have upset people and you take yourself back to these places mm. and then, you know, it, it looks great. It looks great on camera. And mm. then when they say cut, yeah, they say, let's cut there and that's a wrap. And then I go back to my hotel and I'm on my own and I'm like, oh my God, like I've just mm. fucking traumatized myself again. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it is tough to, 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 to turn that off. But, you know, I, again, just going back to my great support network, I've got, you know, a, a great friend of mine, Christian, who's, he's not an actor, but he's so understanding in everything that I do. It's, mm. it's so strange. It's like he's an actor as well. Mm. He can kind of, he, he understands that and he's had his fair share of, you know, grieving. Um, so I'll give him a ring and I'll moan on the phone to him or I'll ring my wife or I'll ring my dad or, you know, he's kind You've of... You've got a lot, lot of brothers, haven't you? You've got a lot of big family. Yeah, yeah, we have. We're really looking, particularly with my wife's side. I mean, her family's huge, so... Mm. Yeah, and you know, I've, since since getting married, I mean, we've been together for eleven years now, so they're my family as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm very, very blessed. I'm very, very blessed. But again, just going back to how people deal with it, my wife lost her dad at a very similar age as I lost my mum. So when she right. was twelve, and you know, me and Charlotte have got that in common, so she understands it. And you know, and you know, when we go, when I go around to to my uh, in-laws for Christmas and things like that, you know, they'll sit and they sort of have a chat about Charlotte's dad and my mom, mm. and, you know, so about all the good times. And I think that's just how people deal with mm. it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, mm. definitely. definitely. It's individual, isn't it? It's, it's how you... It's personal more yeah, than anything. It is. Yeah, well, it, it's personal. It's such a strange thing, grief. And, and you, we could sit here and talk about it for hours and how people, people deal with it in their own way. But I mean, for you, as an actor, like what you're saying there about having using it to get yourself in that mindset for a scene is is quite remarkable. My, my uncle's an actor, and he's he was quite big in the seventies and a lot of stuff. And he spoke about it before, like um, when he used to try and get himself in that mindset and and, and do anything to tear him up. And he struggled. He struggled because ultimately mm. there was nothing really too untowards in his life that gave him that that sort of thing that he could mm. connect with to the part. The thing that the, the the role you play in this is England. I'm an I'm an absolute super fan of This Is England. Oh, and, nice one, mate! And having having to speak to you over the last three or four months to keep my composure has been fucking oh, mate, awful, mental, <laughs> like crazy. Because I'll get off the phone, oh, and I'll be like, send, I'm listening to my voice notes, be like, yeah, not too hard and too much. I'll send him one. And I'll get, <laughs> get off the phone, I ring down, I'm like, fucking hell, what? You sent one back, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. and like 
check the messages in the Instagram account. Do I sound like a cock? And I'll be like, what? I've got to listen. I've got to listen to him voice noting, then you voice noting back. And I'm like, mate, I'm like the oh, third wheel in a conversation. But yeah, he's, oh, he's been a super fan. Follows me, anyone who follows me on, on any, so, well, I've only got Instagram. I don't have Twitter, but yeah, anyone who follows me on Instagram know that Jesus, I'm just... Yeah, I'm just the most normal bloke in the world. Yeah, you you really are. And and the this is England stuff is it's just been great. And for, from a fan's point of view, like I'm 34, so I'm, I'm a bit older than you, but I've kind of grown up with it being in the stages of of life. So mm. it, I think this is England. The first, 2005 had come out, didn't it? 2004. Uh, 2006, I think. Fucking hell, some fan I am. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, edit that bit. We'll edit that. Yeah, we'll edit that bit out. Come out of 2006, didn't it, Tom? <laughs> yeah, I, I could be wrong. You might be wrong. <laughs> and it, I was like 18, 19 at the time. And it was just, it was iconic. And then obviously all the other ones that come out on Channel 4 over a staggered time are really great. But do you find it strange now in the world of TikTok that you're becoming quite, you, you, like, you've almost got a second sideline career, if you like, on TikTok with all the, the videos that get shared and all the memes and stuff like that. Like the ones of walking into the shop, it's like, and the, the captions, some of them are hysterical. Like you must have had a lot of people come up to you and say, are you the kid from TikTok on the memes? Not realise you're from This Is England? I can't, no, not really. I mean, because I don't really use TikTok. I think I've only put... Don't you know? I don't, I don't, I don't know how many videos I've put on. Um, but one of Charlotte's um, one of Charlotte's work friends, uh, we pulled up at McDonald's. Um, we'd been through the drive-thru, we got our food. And then one of Charlotte's workmates pulled up next to us. And then their, their kids went... Mummy, is that that guy from TikTok? You know, there was any kids. Because I can't remember what I'd done. I think I'd done... I did one, though. I mean, I think it went viral. He's like, he got like like 2 million views. Or two yeah, that's million viral. That, that's viral, yeah, mate. That's yeah. viral. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like, that's so, how... I, for I listeners who don't understand viral, so I work in social media, so anything over 10K is considered viral. Yeah. What, 10K views is viral? Anything over 10K views on TikTok is considered viral because it's, when you look at your viral... I need to sort this shit out and start earning some cash from it then, eh? Hey? Mate, look, have a chat with me after. I'll, I'll get you some money from it. All right, that's, that's, that, that's what I'll do for work, social media marketing. But, oh, well, um, there we go, yeah. And there's a video, I'll send it to you later because we're now pals, and that's what pals do, of uh, me like getting... That, <laughs> <laughs> of me getting a tattoo on my leg and it's a mental health video. That's done 87 million views on Facebook. I think I might have seen that. So that video, like Brian Fire gave my mate a mushroom tattoo and then I get the mental health one at the end. Yeah, I have seen it. I have seen that yeah. video. Well, that's me. So be starstruck, well, bro. Fucking <laughs> <out>. <laughs> you know, pal. <laughs> that video did 87 million views and it's counting. But we've done other videos. Like they did one where they wrote me as a surfboard. Um, and that done 4 million views. Wow. So, mate, there's money that's in that. That's such a good way. Yeah, yeah, mate, that's men. Especially, especially like, because I, I see, um, I, sorry, I, forgive me because I don't know his name, but Milky, I see he does a lot of stuff on YouTube. Yeah, he does his, um, he does his motorbiking. He, yeah, he's got like a motorbike race channel or something. Or mm. he was doing this thing, Shimmy's Corona Diaries. Basically, yeah. at the start of lockdown, he was fucking driving around the country, parking up on everyone's front and interviewing people. But and you should look at the views he got. Like, he, he got great views. Yeah, but I had to say to him, dude, we're in a fucking pandemic. You can't be on my front. Like, you're not going to be I did I did see that. I, like, you, you pulled up. like, toilet roll at me in that. I was like, what the fuck are you doing, mate? Yeah, I, I did see that video. He's outside your ass. And you were just a yeah, bit like, what are you doing? Like two days. Like, honestly, two I woke days. up in the morning. On, I woke up uh, the day after we got there. 
And I woke up in the, on the morning and I shit you not, I opened my curtains and he sat there with his top off in a deck chair <laughs> with a fucking barbecue on in my fucking garden. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't he living in Miami at one point? Sorry? Wasn't he living in Miami at one point? No, he was living over in Spain. Oh, okay. Yeah, he still does. He still lives over in Spain. He needs, he needs to get someone to update his Wikipedia page, then, doesn't he? Yeah. But he was, oh no, he was born in Miami. He was born in Miami. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hashtag superfan. Um, so, yeah, like social media, man, you can you can make some serious cash over. Sounds like it, mate. Yeah. Is he have to buy Grimsby Town that, Football Club? Let me let me see how many it got now. If I go on to TikTok. How many followers you got? 82,001. Okay, that's just decent. Have you got a blue tick? Yeah. That's good. So, on Instagram so this, this or anywhere else. This video that I did do, this video, and it's, it's the worst bit. It got 1.3 million views. And Mate, that's decent. Look, it's crap. So it was just making a cigarette disappear behind my, my hand. But it's, it it's, it's you, so it doesn't it's matter. It's you, yeah. So I was yeah. doing work with um, a friend of ours called Ryan Tricks. He's a magician. So I was doing right. videos, videos of him recently, and he's just had one going massively viral. And he's he's made fucking ridiculous money, and he's just left his job. He was waiting for that big one just to ruin his job, but he's, he's just left his job. Mate, social media is what makes the world go round, I'm telling you now. And I can just start boxing people like Jake Paul and just earn more money, can't I? Yeah, see, I've tried. I, I used to box You know what? Him. Bollocks to this acting. I'm not doing it anymore. There's no money in that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mate, just going to start I'd, making YouTube videos. I'd love it if you went for Jake Paul. Do you see Tommy Fury turned down a million pounds? Yeah, he said it was um, dust, didn't he? Yeah, so it wasn't even worth it. I know someone who knows like the, the, some of the promoters on this last show. He got fifteen grand for his last fight, and he's well, that, Jake Paul quid. said that. He said it's four times more than you've ever earned on any card ever. I don't get that. I really don't. Well, but I, I kind of see it from Tommy's point of view. If that if that gets done, the TV rights alone will be worth more than that. So oh, yeah, Jake, Jake, Jake Paul will be taking forty million. Po- yeah, the Paul the I mean, will take eighty percent, won't he? Yeah, he, yeah. He's a, right, mate, he's a marketing genius. Yeah, he's very. Yeah, he knows what he's like. Manipulated the the media, you know, a bit like Katie Price did back in the day. And she's well, you know, she still is now. <laughs> Sorry, she still is now. You know what I mean? Like they know they know exactly what they're doing. And they, they, she's, Katie she's Price a is a really yeah, she's a really good example of someone who manipulates the media into what she wants. Exactly. But do you know what? Like you can't follow don't care. otherwise the media are just gonna be doing it anyway. So it's like mm. exactly right. feed the pony. I, I listened to a podcast, um, the James English one with Daniela Westbrook, and she did the same. She was just like she She's, was she was planning things for the media that they was going to do anyway. So she was like, "Why would I not plan?" Maybe yeah, we we, t- we talked to Danielle quite a bit. She's coming on in series three. Um, oh, is she? Oh, yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, the same thing with her. Because why not? Look at Jay Goody, literally filming till her death, and that's because she wanted to get enough money for her kids. But anyway, moving on from social media, money, and all yeah, that jazz. Let, let's go back to this is England because <laughs> I have some I have some other things that I want to ask you, Thomas. Not not necessarily about. This is England, but like Al said, it's an iconic British film. It's got, it has to be in the top five British films ever made. Um, wow. yeah, things like things like Quadrophenia as well. It's up there with that, mate. Clockwork Orange. Yeah, I've got to ask you. Where did you realise what it was when you were doing it? No, no, none of us did. None of us had any idea. Um, and it's weird because, I mean, I, I know I said before, but I. I but yeah, basically, I'm working with a director again at the moment, and and we still sit now, 15 years later, and we still go, "What the hell?" Like we had mm. no idea what this was, and 
um, we just didn't have a clue. And I think when it got released, it was kind of like, you know, we we was flying flying all over the world and going to, you know, I, I'll never forget we got we the first time I ever saw the film was in Rome, um, and oh, we got really? like we got like a fifteen minute standing ovation, and the Italians if they don't like something they'll tell you mm, they don't like it, yeah. particularly in the British film, um, and we got a fifteen minute standing ovation, and I'll never forget that feeling of looking around this huge building of people clapping. Not only me, you know, clapping everyone's hard work that went into the film, but that 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 then it was kind of like, wow, what the hell is going on here? Like, yeah. mm. we never had any idea. And then, you know, it might sound silly, but little things like going on this morning, you know, with Philip Schofield when I was a kid, it was like, I was like, Jesus, like this is beyond anything I ever expected. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a little film, you know, I'll get get a little bit of cash and you know, I'll, I'll waste that on Chinese takeaway and little mini motos and that'll be the end of it. And now it's just like, yeah, we just had no idea. And, you know, if anyone thinks for, for a moment that we, we don't think about it a lot and appreciate it, then then they're wrong. Because like I said, 15 years later, me and Shane Meadows are still talking about mm. how we're blown away that people still care about it. And it's 15 years ago and people still stopped me in the streets for it. It's like, do you know it's what? I, th- I think it's because the topic hasn't gone away. And it's... Yeah, it's, the realism. The, 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 it's key to point out that it's, it's, it's rejuvenated through BLM. The BLM movement, I've, I've seen it. And again, we talk about the media and how they deliberately do stuff. It was pushed out a lot during that time on mainstream TV. Um, and when you were doing it, when you were, did you understand the culture around it? Did you understand the logistical aspects of what you were making based on yeah. the, the racing story? I suppose. Yeah. yeah. No, not really. I mean, look, I, I, I was brought up around black kids as, as a kid and it, it was never, it was never not normal for me. Mm. You know, it was, uh, and I guess I'm, I, I'm really, really fortunate in that aspect, but you know, it, but it, that's not denying the fact that it's still happening today, which is a disgusting fact. Um, but, you know, but just going back, even just to the 80s, which isn't a long time ago, no. how bad it was and the fact that mm. there was these groups out there and still is today, it's kind of, it's baffling. It really, really is baffling. But now as a kid, I never really had any idea about it all, really. I guess I was mm. kind of naive and ignorant to it all. Um, well, you are, you know, as a kid, isn't you? You, you know, you, you can't be asked at 14, 13 years old to take no. in a, a full historical moment like, you know, the, the, the skinheads. I mean, that's, that's that's a big ask for anyone, you know. Of course. The, the yeah. only good thing it did, the film, it educated people. It did educate yeah, people. Educa- you know, it educated me even further. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess, again, I'm kind of ignorant and naive to it, but, you know, I met Andrew Shim, who plays Milky, and I didn't go, oh, God, a black man. I went, I fucking like this kid. Yeah. You know, and he mm. makes me laugh. And I fell in love with him, and he became one of my closest friends, and he still is now. You know, I kind of, I would never look at anybody any differently. You know, and it's kind of like, I just guess I was fortunate in that aspect, that that's the way that I was raised by my parents. Mm. Um, but I guess that's the sad reality of it now, is there's people out there that don't see it like that. And, you know, they're having kids, and then they're being born into that, and, you know, it, it's kind of I don't know. It's just I, I think it just I think you just de- I think you described so, it, it really, up, yeah. really really well, Tomo. And, and the the use of the word baffling is about where me and Al sit. 
I, I don't really understand it. I don't understand why it's why it's still a thing. Mm. Why is it still a thing now? Like, why was it a thing? And all then? this, all like, this shit at the Euros. Do you know what I mean? It's like when Sterling's scoring all these goals, they're all cheering his name, but then when Saka misses a penalty, all of a sudden he's all these things, and it's like, oh uh, mate, it's so it's, fu- it's fucking embarrassing. It, it really is, is embarrassing. And, and do you know, the, embarrassing. the funny thing is, is that we had. Um, Literally, the, the episode after all that happened, we have Patrick Hutchinson on. Now, the name might not mean anything, but Patrick was the guy that was pictured during the BLM process in London, carrying the white counter protester over his shoulder and taking him to safety because he was yeah. injured. Because he was yeah. injured, and we had him on, and he's released a book called uh, "Everybody Versus Racism." He's become Story a great, for my children, yeah. yeah, a great friend of the podcast and a great friend to me and Dave. And his episode was so unique that we didn't run a crazy corner, which is our segment at the end of the podcast where we basically have a laugh and a joke because it was, the, it was after the wake of what happened and, and we wanted people to take a look from it. And, and it's to be taken, I, I'm not saying it's not serious, but you know, it's exactly. The, the, and that's the why we didn't do it. At the end is what I meant by it's not serious. Yeah. And, and but that's yeah, exactly yeah. why yeah, we didn't I, I, do yeah. it. And that, and that, you know what, that takes a lot from you two as well, because you know, you've changed your, the, the way that you do your podcast and, you know, you've shown a bit more respect about it. You know, it's kind of... It's yeah, well, we, we kind of felt like not only we had to, but it, we had to play he, a part. You had to he hear was, He was incredible when he came on to my life. But even he, well, he, even he said, like, that, that was a really powerful it. episode, really mm. powerful episode. But even he was like, we were not surprised. We was not surprised that they were going to, it was going to happen. It, it, he said it was like a ticking time bomb. At some point over the course of the competition, there was going to be a point where a black footballer makes a mistake and he can be hounded for it. And yeah, it's not, just... not not because of the mistake, because of the colour of his skin. Hmm. Yeah. Madness. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Sad. Madness. Right, well, let's talk about, let's winding it up because we've kept you for long enough, bro. Let's talk about your beloved... Shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Go. That was amazing. What fucking timing was that? We were literally, oh, literally start, started talking about his football club and his phone goes, Garrity. Oh god. <laughs> Let's talk about Grimsby Town. Yeah, man. Oh my god. It's um do you know what? I'm kind of and I shouldn't be. But you know all these new fans and my mate Cal, and I hope he's listening to this because I tell him about it all the time. For the last 10 years, he's in the pub every Sunday with Man United top on. Fuck you, come on. But now town have been taken over and we're doing well. He's fucking sharing Facebook statuses, oh UTM. I'm like, <laughs> out, like Plastic so fan. Town sold out against Wrexham for the first time in 15 years on Tuesday night. I couldn't go because I'm working, but everyone's there. And I'm like, I mean, I'm not in control of the money there. And I know Grimsby Town had arrived at that before, but I'm like, well, where was you? Where was all these fans? Mm, wow. Six months ago when Ian Holloway was running us into the ground and there was 2000 fans there, if that, and it's like, I just think, and it's great that, you know, people are coming in and supporting us now, but I'm like, you know, you've got middle-aged men who just have never supported them, but now they're all over it. And I'm just like, Wait, Wait, embrace me, it, me and, take it. Me, me and Alex actually have a friend of ours that we've known for oh, a long yeah, time, Adam. Who, who, Adam, Adam Casley, who's a Grimsby Town fan. And uh, yeah, everyone knows years, a Town fan. For years, he would tell people, oh, yeah, I support Grimsby Town. And they'd be like, who? What? And he'd be, yeah, I support Grimsby Town. I tell you, yeah, I had man, every, the everyone... best fish and chips in Grimsby. Yeah, same yeah. as, yeah, definitely, 100%. I, I remember going well, there with which my college. Did you say? I, I don't even know what the fish and chip shop was called. Ago. But, yeah. it, was, it was in like an industrial sort of area. Like, 
He was so well, I, Personally, I think Steels is the best fish and chips in Cleethorpes. Big um, up Steels. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I mean, you might now, get some free only... food. Sorry, <laughs> you might get some free food. No, I don't get free food. No, no, no. It's an independent business, you know. So I'm sort of doing my bit. But they do give me a free beer every now and then. Oh, there you um, go. But no, Steels is great. But there's so many great places now. Grimsby. Mm. It's you know, it's well, there always has been historically. But yeah, it's. it's so are you from? Are you from Grimsby? Like you bought, you bought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Grimsby. Yeah, born and raised in Grimsby. Yeah, and I kind of, you know, when I was there's photos flying around with me on the internet wearing Man United tops but I was 12 11, 12 year old mm. um, and then the first thing I did when I moved in with my dad my dad took me to a Grimsby Town game I never supported Man United I'd probably never even watched a game yeah. um, but I just had the tops because my eldest brother Carl's a United fan um, but like now obviously I'm like town through and through and always have been since understanding football and knowing what football was um, but you know, whenever I'm putting stuff on, everyone's like sharing a photo of me in a Man United top. I'm like, yeah, I supported Man United a little bit, but then I grew up. You know, I was a child, so mm. yeah. I've just highlighted the fact that there's photos of me on the internet wearing Man United top. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone we, didn't know, oh, but look, we, we do we do need to talk about a, another real strong reason why you're on the podcast, and that is because you're a, a newly found member of the Dad Gang. Mm. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, yeah, so tell I us mean, about your latest addition to, to the clang. Um, yeah, so I've got a little baby boy. He's six weeks old now, uh, six weeks old tomorrow. But, I mean, he was born six weeks ago, and I've been away working for five of them. Mate, um, and that's pretty tough. So, oh, my God, it's like nothing I've ever known. You know, I, I sort of struggle saying bye to Charlotte when I'm leaving, but saying bye to Charlotte and, and the, little, the little man, it's... Um, yeah, it's like nothing else I've ever I've ever known. And it's, you know, now because I've, I, I, you know, I don't go out and get steaming all the time and I don't go. Mm. And again, it goes back to distractions. Now, mm. because I'm not out getting steaming all the time, I'm not, I've got nothing to distract me. So mm. I'm sort of sitting at home and I'm very, very fortunate that, you know, I'm working with um, Michael Soccer, who played Harvey in This Is England. Um, and he lives right above me. If I shouted, he'd probably hear me now. We sat upstairs. Mm. So I'm very fortunate that, you know, me and Mike have been like best mates for years. So, you know, and Mike's in the same boat. He's got three kids. So we're very fortunate that we've got that sort of, you know, that bond. Um, I've, I've got to say, it sounds like you have an incredible support network around you. And mm. Talk about surrounding yourself with people that love you and people that want to be with you, Tom. It, it mm. must be great. It must be great for you. It must be great for Charlotte. It must be great for, for everybody that to know that you've all got each other's backs like that. Yeah, man. And it's like, I'm so fortunate. And do you know what? Having the baby really showed that. And it's not about getting gifts. But, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of people that have sent little gifts for him and, you know, little gifts. And, and you know, Charlotte got really spoiled by all our friends as well, which, you know, is just as important as spoiling the spoiling the little man because she's mm. just like... The, the newfound respect I've got for that woman is mm. just incredible. Like, she she had such a good pe- pregnancy up until the last sort of three, three weeks, four weeks. And it was just like... It was just to see what she went through and how she dealt with it was just... Oh, it was just inspiring. And she's, yeah. I, I always knew she was going to be the best woman in the world anyway. But yeah, she's just like, yeah. yeah. Man, she makes, me, mate, she makes I, me so I, proud to be married to her. She really, really I, I completely it's echo that, mate. Com- completely echo that. I remember with our first one, 
she's 10 now. Uh, and that was, that was like 36 and a half hours in labor. And oh I, I, I remember being like, Oh, I had to sleep on the floor in, in the I was delivery say, room for two days, for two days, I had to sleep on the floor. And, but seeing what she went through, mate, I might as well have slept on the floor for for a year. Just think. Oh my god! They half go through it, don't they? They half go yeah. through the rigor. And I mean, like, like, she was Charlotte was literally a pincushion for a month. She just had to have a like blood test three, four times a day, and just like things everywhere. And it was just like, yeah. what? Like when when she went into labour, I was fortunate. Charlotte's was only sort of twelve hours, but as she was, you know, taking the gas in air, and she was like. She was saying, oh, it's not working. Well, it's their eyes are rolling in her head. Um, <laughs> as, as soon as she sort of like zoned out a bit, I was like sort of looking at her going, can I fall asleep now for a couple of minutes? Yeah. <laughs> as, soon as, she, as soon as she went, I was like, ah. yeah, <laughs> that was the longest night of my life. You know, you know, when you're, when, you, when you're out on the booze and you, you know, you, you look at your phone and you look back up and 12 hours is gone like that. Mm, yeah, it's that, nuts. That 12 hours in labels, the longest 12 hours of my life. It's so scary. It's such like, a scary time. Baby out. Mm. Like, and I, I remember like um, when you pull an all-nighter and mm. uh, I'll tell you something that really resonates with me. So there's there used to be a nightclub in, in London, Tomo, and you might have heard of it. It was called Bagley's. And Bagley's no. used to go until six o'clock in the morning. And I remember coming out of there like a few times and being like, fuck me, mate. It's like 10 it was to the, seven equi- it in was the, the equivalent of like uh, London trying to be the Hacienda. Yeah. Ah, yeah. right. So you, yeah. you would go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and from there, was, there, there was two big like doors at the end that they used to creep open like that. And it would, the sun would shine for it. And I remember leaving there a couple of times, it being like quarter to seven in the morning. You'd be like, fuck me, I've been in there nearly a day. Well, compared to a day that I sat next to a bed, not doing anything apart from going, are you all right? All right, do you need a drink? Do you want some water? Yeah. Do, you, do you need your Get head your hands off me. Mate, it, it just didn't compare. It's madness. Like, <laughs> I mean, when we, it was when like we, going to war for 30 hours. Yeah, it's I crazy. Mean, 30 hours is impressive. When we had Connor, it was, um, luckily, it was, it was literally like five hours of labour, but... There's a reason for that. Like she started getting contractions around about seven o'clock in the evening and I whizzed her up there and um, we got in there and she was, you know what they're like when they're going through it, they're, they're going through it. So you have to just kind of do your bit standing like a bit of a prick trying to, you know, mm-hmm. holding your hand and all that, doing all that yeah. jazz. I just stood there on Facebook like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's changing room scenario, <laughs> no, isn't it? No, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so I kind of started, said to this woman, like, could you help us out? She's obviously in a lot of pain and this Jamaican nurse went, it's Libra. That's why they call it Libra pain. She's going through Libra. It's not meant to be easy. And I'm like, fuck it. Now we're in for yeah. it tonight. Oh, <laughs> so, so we get her in settled and our mum and dad are downstairs. But I, for some reason, they wouldn't let either one come up or, or down. So it was either one person with her or, you know, at a time. So, my mom so, so, so was Connor born in, in COVID times or no COVID No, 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 no. He's eight. He's eight. Try having a baby in COVID times. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm. See, this, the, the, I mean, if, it, if, this, if our situation happened in COVID... I don't That's think insane, I, yeah. I don't think either of us would have made it through. But yeah, oh she, my, it was it was such and go, you know, like every day going up and visiting was just like I could imagine it. it'd be you know, difficult. There's, there's a, yeah. And course. it just I, I mean I could I could not do that. What happened with Nick, cut cut long story short, the baby was breached and they said to me, You need to get your scrubs on. So I went and got the blue scrubs on, dressed up like a surgeon. Like Mr. Bean. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. Went to go <laughs> through the double doors to go through and they said, Sorry, Mr. Casey, it's been a problem. You can't you can't come through. We need to put we need to put her to sleep. Oh so what, do you God. Mean, what do you mean put her to sleep? Because the baby's distressed, she's distressed. We can't get a baby out through C section. Like we need to put her under to get her to sleep. 
yeah. to get the baby out. So I'm like, fucking hell. And they're like, right, you can either wait here or you can go downstairs. But if you go downstairs, you won't be able to get back up until we bring her around. That could be hours. So I had to wait in this little room of my own. And I was sitting there waiting with the scrubs on. This woman comes out and she goes, Mr. Casey, I was like, yeah, she goes, here's your son. And just gave me Connor. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? Like, could be anyone's baby. Could be anyone. So I didn't know. Um, it didn't didn't help. It was Chinese, but that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke. Um, so she and I'm like, okay. So then she come back out. But she'd lost so much blood. It was really touch and go. Um, oh my god, man! And I, I remember like uh, being thrown into that position where she was still coming around from the whatever they do to knock her out. And the nurse, I said to the nurse, "What do I do?" And she was like, "Well, your dad now." change him do this do that I'm like, I yeah they did that to me as well i don't know what i'm doing and then I, and she helped me a little bit but you said there about putting an all night at david it just reminded me i left the hospital once she was getting some sleep to go home and get like two hours sleep what was that like when you get home on your own mate i went to tesco's and got a meal deal and i'm sitting there in the aisle and i'm just standing there like a zombie looking at the meal deal. i remember you telling me that but i i forgot i still had the scrubs on right so you i still <laughs> so i look like a doctor right so I'm looking up and I just started crying because I was just like, it was like traumatic. Like, obviously the emotion she's, release is ridiculous. She's Mate, honestly, really when, when we got back after it all, like, sorry, have you, sorry, Alex, go on. No, so I was just going to say, I was standing there and some women come up to me and she goes, it's, it's okay, Doc, has it been a bad night? And I'm just like, <laughs> I, I, oh my God. I, I, did, I didn't have the heart to tell her I wasn't a doctor. I thought, fuck it, I'm going to milk this moment for another 10 minutes. But yeah, no, it's really bad. Yeah, we had a, we had a woman. Right? Yeah, we had a woman in who's having a baby. We had to get her out through emergency C section. It's really tough. And I, but I've done my bit. Did you and actually then, milk it like this? Did you? Yeah, say of course. It? Yeah, no, no, that's yeah. Good. Quick, she probably paid for the bill deal. Did you win for free? I got it. Like honestly, I got it free. Oh, wicked! And I still that's, remember to this yeah. day what it was: BLT triple, salt and vinegar crisps, and a Dr Pepper. Have it. Oh, well played, well played, mate. That's <laughs> impressive. I, it was so strange when I got back from because we'd been in the hospital, um, and I got back, and it had been like. 30 hours like all in total of going there visiting coming back getting there and then spending the whole day there then getting home but I was so it was so strange I was so hungry I couldn't eat I was so tired I couldn't sleep I was so happy I couldn't smile so sad I couldn't cry and I remember being stood in my kitchen on my own just like honestly I had no idea what to do but I I rang my mate Mark and he he come around and took me to Domino's and I was stood in Domino's just waiting for my pizza and I was just like I had no idea what to do with myself. And yeah, it's, it's kind nice. of like, it, it almost made me think like, like there should be support for this. Yeah. Sort of yeah. And, and almost like you shouldn't be there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, it was. I, I remember coming back, my wife, Kelly and Marley stayed in for a couple of days. Cause Marley had a couple of little thick, little complication things. So they, they had to wait to see a specialist for, and she, she was fine. Um, but yeah, so I came home um, and I, I remember it. They were like, come to the pub near where me and Al used to live when we were neighbours. Um, come down there and have some dinner and everything like that. And I just remember being so vacant. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't re- you know, like when they t- say you have an out-of-body experience and you're watching mm. watching yeah. the whole thing go, I was so that's what it felt world. like. And I was like, what the fuck so is going on? Like. Yeah, man. I was so in my own world. I couldn't even moan about the price of my pizza. Because normally I always do that in Domino's. I'm always like, fucking how much? But because I was so in my own world, I was just like, yeah, okay. 
Yeah. I just remember him asking me so many questions. What's she like? What colours her hair? What colours her eyes? How much did she weigh? Is Kelly all right? And I just remember being like... Don't know. Mm. Yeah, man. I, I don't weird, even know where it? I've been. Like, but, most, but you are, you are, you are right, Tomo. There isn't any support for it. No, it's one of those no, cliches, and... isn't it? The book of parenting doesn't exist. The book of parenting is... You, just, you can't... No, no I remember what books back. you read... You can't prepare for it. No. I remember getting back and I was just so confused by it because it, it, little man was, he was six weeks early. Mm. Um, but they, they, they got, yeah, so they got to a, a point where they was happy to deliver to deliver him. But yeah, I mean, I, I just remember being just so confused by everything and just like, yeah. And when they handed him to me and said, oh, you can give him his first bottle, I was just like, I didn't. I had no idea because you think you prepare mm. yourself for something, mm. and then when you when you're thrown in at it, you're just like, wow. But you yeah. know what? Like Charlotte's a nursery nurse, and she has been for God ten years. Um, so I'm just learning from her, man. Like she's just teaching everything, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, just mums are just the, the most incredible people. And what, that's what, a, what a lovely yeah, testament <laughs> that is. Yeah, <laughs> save that one. Yeah. <laughs> I might I might elongate that out and make it longer seem like there was a massive pause <laughs> yeah. just to make him a lot of twat <laughs> so look before we let you go it's only fair that if any listeners are out there that are new parents or soon to be parents mm. give give them your your best tip Tomo what, what you got for them out <laughs> I've recently had some media training and my, that my inner media training said not to say that but I was thinking <laughs> hey, we ain't media uh, you say what you like guys. <laughs> no I don't know it's so strange I mean you know what being away working so quickly for me was was it's been the toughest time of my life mm. um, but I know that he's in good hands and I know that she's looking after him and I know that he's loved um but yeah, man, I don't know. Just kind of, just, just try and enjoy it, innit? and just get stuck in. I think yeah. I don't know. I've not, I've not really parented enough yet. That's yeah. when I go home. When I finish this, that, job, that, I'll let you know. that is then I probably will say pull out. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly the the tip that I would give. Savor every single second. No, not that mm. type of tip. You sick <laughs> fuck. But yeah, <laughs> sa- savor every single moment and get your hands dirty. Get involved. Like I was, no, I, I was, go- I was goal end for both of mine being bored, and I'll never Ooh. forget it. It was amazing. See, I, I got yeah. a pass on that. Where were you yeah. top? Where were you? Were you top heavy or were you goal end? Uh, I, I want at the business end, if that's what you mean. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. I was kind of like just there supporting Charlotte. It happened so quick, man. Like because Charlotte was saying, "I need to push," and then the doctor was like, "No, not yet. You, you're all right." And she was like no I need to push and then just like bonk he was out and it was just like people say you know, people say is it bonk, like he was out first? he was done yeah, and he's out yeah um, you know when people say like because my mate who's um, going back to Christian the guy who I was telling you about mm. he's oh my god it's on Saturday he's, he's having his baby on Saturday um, so we, we grew up together we're really close mates and I rang him and said dude I said I've got something I used to tell you Charlotte's pregnant and he was like wow that's brilliant then he rang me later that night and said mate fucking Hannah's pregnant and I was like uh. what? <laughs> and it was like 10 days between them or something um, obviously that's great yeah so obviously his daughter's not as early as mine was uh, but he said to me was it love at first sight and I was like 
It's not. I, th- I don't know. It's not. I mean, but it's not. There's nothing wrong in saying it's not, not Tom. He looked like an alien. He was just like. But we talk. You know, we took. We spoke about this with Mario Falcone, who's the lad from Tower. Yeah. Mario yeah. from Tower. Um, and you don't get that immediate thing. I didn't. I didn't get it for months. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that. And there's so many folks that beat themselves up about the fact that they don't get this immediate connection and bond. I didn't. Mm. Babies are boring, man. Babies can boring. Boring ain't the word. Like, they, I, they can, they, you know, they just shit and... Yeah, they shit, piss and eat. That's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I can do that. Love me. I do like I mean? holding him, though. I never want to put him down. That's probably because I'm away all the time. But yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I mean, it, look, all I would say is take it in your stride how it comes for you naturally. Yeah, man. I don't think you know, there's no right or wrong way of doing it. No, there isn't. There isn't. No, there ain't. And it's there's that key key thing that we always say on here. And it's gonna it happen throughout his life, mate. It's okay to want to throw your kid out of the window at any point, as long as you don't do it. Mm. Like, <laughs> you, and you, will, you will have loads oh, of mate. them. If Charlotte's listening, I will I've never thought that once, but <laughs> not even well, once. Mate, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, we handed you for long enough and, and like you delivered, mate. So thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah man, it. no worries. Thanks for having me. It's been nice to finally talk about it. Yeah, it's been good. I'm, this is the first sort of thing I've done since having him. I say I've been so busy working. It's um, oh, excellent. Nice to sort of let off mate. You're you're always welcome for a chat on lads, dads. You really are. Nice right. one. If, I'll, uh, I'll put my home uh, uh, on next time. Oh, mate, we'll we'll welcome it. We really will. But yeah, <laughs> who do you Look, boys support? Just out of curiosity. We're you both Arsenal. <laughs> who? We're both Arsenal. Oh God! Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's my turn to get you lads now. What the, what's going on there? Then? Uh, do you know what? I I was actually I went Burnley away this weekend. Invited us up and we did some hospitality, but um, it was we're, we're just shit. We are just crap. Like, Arteta's not up to the top. No, of course he ain't. He's oh, Pep's <laughs> bloody ball boy. He ain't got a clue. Like this is what I don't get. Right, and no disrespect to Grimsby. Are they still rock bottom of the league? No, we're not, we're, mate. We're three points 12, behind Spurs. We're three points behind Spurs. If we, we got oh, wow. Spurs, you turn that around quick. Then we got Spurs at the weekend. Like if we if we beat them, we go above them. It's madness. Oh, wow. Like, but it just papers over the cracks. No one knows what they're doing. No one knows where they're going. Arteta ain't got a clue. He don't know what his best team is. No, you're putting a plaster on a cup that needs stitches, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? It's exactly. Just like... And and people don't people don't they're, even they're... realize this crazy stat. But we are the we. In the transfer window, we spent the most money out of every club yeah. in the Premier League. Oh, fucking what? What did we get? I mean, our Ramsdale is an absolute G. Yeah, but... Ramsdale's a G. But I mean, like you said, they've been running that club for a business for the last 15 years. It, it ain't a business. It's a football no. club. No, At some point, no, you've got to admit no. that. No, no and that's, that's exactly what's happened with Grimsby. And our old chairman now has just walked out and two new guys, Stockwood and Pettit, have just bought it. And... Um, it's just changed the club round completely. So, mm. you know, I think, I, but I think the guys who own Arsenal are a bit, they're, you know, they're, they, well, going, yeah, they're, they're, they ain't going nowhere. The guy from Spotify tried to buy them out, didn't he? And he had none of it, but they're never even at the game, mate. They, they, they don't give a shit. The Cronkies are absolute arseholes. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't wish it on anyone, but the Cronkies can get it. In mm. fact, get yeah. facts. <laughs> yeah. Nice one, boys. Right, Tom, well, the season sorts itself out for you. Yeah, oh, what, so, what a lovely lad you are. Thank you very much, Thomas. It probably won't, and we'll be renegade and we'll be in the, in the championship, but at least we yeah, might win a couple of games. Yeah, you'll be coming to Blundell Park on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> happily, happily. And like yeah. we always say to all our guests, whenever you're in London, give us a shout. Beers are on us. We'll have it off. Yeah, nice one. Cheers, boys. Cheers, mate. Take care. Thanks a lot, okay, Thomas. Lads. Take care. No worries. And you, lads. See you, mate. Mate, Mr. Thomas Turgoose there, representing the new dads and, and, and kicking it in from Grimsby Town FC for us. 
mate, what a legend he is. Like, he, honestly, my favourite guest of Series 2. Not just because I'm a mm. super fan, <laughs> but he's just great, man. Like, he, he just speaks. You had a wet willy over this one, though, didn't you? You've been talking yeah, about yeah, this for months. Yeah, yeah. Like... Well, we, we've been trying so hard to get him on. Like, he's a busy lad, though, isn't he's he? He's a very busy lad. He, he's he's filming something very good and fresh at the moment. Not let's talk about it, but um, yeah. And he's, he's new, a new dad. He's so, a very look, new dad. And it, that was really it, interesting, that new dad chat. We haven't done that for a while. I don't think we've had a new, new dad. Like, no, as I don't new think as we that. have. No, I don't think we um, have. But look, it is really key because. We know that he he hasn't he hasn't struggled with it, but it is really new to him. It's really mm. completely mm. different to what he's ever experienced, and it's really good to see um, to see and hear somebody that's experiencing things out there that dads might be. Because I mean, okay, to the naked eye, mate, we're probably not seasoned, or we're a little bit seasoned because we've got kids that are coming up to double digits if they're not yep. already. Yeah, but. To go back to then, mate, I remember the same thing. Like, you know what I'm like with the details. I read books and books and books and books and books. I changed every single nappy when Marley was born. I fed every single mm. bottle and everything mm. like that because mm. I wanted to be good at it. I wanted mm. to be a good dad. But you're mm. right. We Like when you said it in the chat there, we put too much pressure on ourselves to, Definitely. to, to, to be that. To be definitely there. and it was just good like the stuff that he, i've heard him talk about um and, and a lot of people probably won't know that he lost his mum literally and his mum couldn't see the film which is mm. it was really key as well that we didn't kind of make that whole thing of like oh that's really sad that like he just we just let him talk he expressed it how it was for him how he's felt about it how he grieves over it how he's dealt with it um and i think he's just he's just a true testament to an unbelievable guy yeah and i remember you saying um that you didn't want to do this childhood star thing. Yeah. And I think that is quite key with Thomas that we, okay, he was 13 when the film was, was done, mm. but it's not like he was in fucking Annie, mate. He was in This Is England, which yeah. is like got racial tendencies, violence and everything like that in it. Yeah. It's maybe not the same level as a childhood star, but it was good to hear him say that he didn't realise what, the, the story behind the film was and yeah no yeah absolutely man mm. yeah well. great great chat fantastic thomas thank you so much for coming on i didn't get to say it when we were chatting but mate giving up your time to the podcast is so much respect for you mate and love to charlotte and and, and your wee man mm, yeah absolutely big love mate big love to family right mm. let's get into it we all know what time it is oh dave sorry you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. I've got a bad feeling about this. So I was going to do this week's, but I'm really nasally and I don't think I could deliver it as eloquently and as comedically as what Dave can. So, Dave's mate, gonna... mate that, that's a bit of fucking pressure. This is quite a big boy of a story as well. Yeah, but you're here. really so... good at doing them. You're, like, you're, so you're... We get what... better feedback from you. What we have to say is, is this is... This is quite current. So this is the, well, the story came out on the 3rd of April, but it's been making its way around social media in the last week. And this was found by my wife, right? So my my wife is already on the same level as the, as the corner. And, and yeah. So Kelly wanted me to read this one out. So sweetheart, this one is for you. Okay. So (laughs) we're going to go. I'll I'll dedicate it to a wife. (laughs) (laughs) What makes it even worse is when you hear it. (laughs) It's a a bit, it's a bit out there. Right. So this is the headline. 
Woman admits she had sex with a dolphin who took his own life after heartbreak. <laughs> now that makes a whole different term to the word petting zoo for a start, doesn't it? <laughs> right. Margaret Ho Lovett was just 20 when she started working in a lab with the Margaret. aim of un- understanding. Margaret. Huh? Margaret. 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 Margaret, 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 come out here, please, Margaret. Anyway, uh, poor Margaret. Oh, she was just 20 when she started working in a lab with the aim of understanding dolphins and teaching them to speak English, right? She's loved animals since she was a little girl. Oh, One of her first memories was being given a book about a talking cat by her mother when she was just a child, right? I think that shows she's got a love of books, not a love of animals, but anyway. It sparked a lifelong fascination with animals and how they communicated and led to her becoming a key part of the NASA-funded experiments in the 60s. Margaret explained, it was a story about her cat who could talk and understand humans, and it just stuck with me. Maybe there is the possibility, right? Right. I'll I'll skip a lot of her shit that's about her career. Yeah, please do. At the end of the day, we want to talk about the dolphin that she fucked him and killed itself, right? Her dreams came true at Christmas 1963 when she was living in the Caribbean island of St. Thomas. So she's obviously well off, mate. I'd like to live in St. Thomas. Margaret's brother-in-law mentioned that there was a secret lab at the end of one of the islands where they were carrying out work with dolphins. Unable to resist, Margaret, who was just 20, had to drive out there to take a look. And she was greeted by Gregory Bateson, right? He was the director of the lab and he insistently impressed by the young lady who had marched up to him and told him that she wanted to be involved and would do anything she could to help. Wow. Mm, Shooting a shot. Saucy little monkey, this one. (laughs) He allowed Margaret to observe the dolphins and write down everything she observed. Despite having no scientific training, she was skilled at spotting animal behaviour and her place in the study was secured. So I've got to just add there, she wasn't qualified, but she blagged her way in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows she, she knows what she wants. She's, she's got animal it. fish. She yeah. wants she wants dolphin dick. Let's be honest, right? <laughs> yeah, let's call it what it is. Yeah. Margaret remembers vividly what she saw the first time she observed the three dolphins. She explained, Peter, Pamela and Sissy, they're the dolphins. Sissy was the biggest. She was pushy and loud. And the sort that ran the show, like it's becoming like it's becoming like dolphin prison. Mate, it's like a Moulin Rouge for dolphins. <laughs> Pamela was very shy and fearful, and Peter was a young guy. He was sexually coming of age and a bit naughty. You know, like think the thing. When Margaret first met the trio of dolphins, they were housed in a sea pool below the lab where they could be observed daily. Funded by NASA, the scheme was determined whether the whether or not the dolphins could be trained to understand and speak English. Mate, can you imagine a dolphin that could speak English? No. That would be that would be the the fucking weirdest boat trip you've ever taken, wouldn't it? Like it just pops up. Hello, mate. How's it going? You're right here. How long are you coming on this boat for? Like, <laughs> right. They, along with Margaret's health, transferred an ordinary home into a de- domestic dolphorium. Right. By flooding it it with knee-deep water. This meant those working on the project could live with the animals and observe them 24 hours a day, right? And as Margaret spent more time with the majestic creatures, she formed ever closer bonds with them, especially Peter, the dirty one. 
the finger up the bum. (laughs) She explained, Peter liked to be with me. He would rub himself on my knee. No. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Compose yourself, Atom. He would rub himself on my knee, my foot on my hand, and I allowed that. I wasn't uncomfortable as long as it wasn't too rough. In the beginning, I would put him on the elevator and say, you go play with the girls for a day. It was just easier to incorporate that and let it happen. It was very precious and very gentle. Peter was right there. He knew that I was right there as well. Margaret claimed that this became a regular part of her studies as she tried to teach Peter to speak English. I think she was personally trying to speak, to teach Peter to speak cunnilingus, but that's something completely different. (laughs) She added, it was sexual on his part. It was not sexual on mine. Sensuous, perhaps. It would just become part of what was going on like an itch. Just get rid of that and we'll scratch it and we'll be done and move on. I was there to get to know Peter. And that was part of Peter. Mate, there's pictures and everything of her stroking. This is, stroking. Yeah, this, this is, this is getting a this is getting a bit more like an erotic novel. <laughs> Sorry, shall I calm it down? Yeah, yeah. Um, this, this, this gloss out. Let's get to the right, good stuff. Let's Dave. get to the good stuff. Hang on. All right. So it doesn't get any dirtier than that. Oh. Okay. She said that she was having sex with the dolphin, but she actually wasn't. The dolphin was probably rubbing its knob against her leg and getting it, getting its jollies off. There are, picture, there are pictures of her. Can you see that? Yeah. Ooh. Rubbing her feet. She's giving the, she's like rubbing her feet on the dolphin in, in like a little flooded room. But it gets a little bit sad. However, when the experiment's funding ran out and the pair were separated and Peter was shipped a thousand miles away to a small lab in Florida, right? I mean, they were both fucking crushed. They wrote every single day. She wrote him lots of love letters. He just, there were just marks of ink that came back. She couldn't really understand them because they'd never completed the training. So he couldn't understand or speak English. So it it, it was a bit of waste. That will will happen. Yeah, Yeah, that will happen. That's what what happens when you start to love a dolphin, apparently. Um, But it was too much for seemingly heartbroken Peter, moving a thousand miles away to Florida, who died just weeks later in an apparent act of suicide how how right i got that phone call from john lily right john called me himself (laughs) to tell me he said peter had committed suicide margaret told the guardian i mean this fucking story came from the guardian yeah you you go straight to the guardian about that wouldn't you (laughs) right but you need to understand this the lab's vet andy williamson attributed the dolphin's death was due to a broken heart stated margaret could rationalize it but when she left could peter the love of his life had gone jesus i mean it goes on about like she she tried to investigate his will and stuff like that she wanted to (laughs) she wanted to take ownership of his tank but it wasn't seen to be the right thing so i feel really sorry for margaret but i feel even more sorry for peter i don't because by the sounds of it he was led on by some scientific slag that didn't have any kind of any kind of qualifications and she just let him rub himself against her legs and knees and hands and things like that she was just giving him the come on i think for the sake of getting pulled off the internet we'll leave it at Led on Mate, by no one's getting pulled off on my podcast, right, Sonny? <laughs> Unless you're a dolphin. 
Oh God! Well, well done. That was um, long but funny. Um, hey, it was a bit weird. It's it a bit was weird, a bit, but... a bit weird. But, I mean, like, is there going to be people that are coming out that are saying they're trying to teach their goldfishes English and stuff like that? Like, well, I mean... I want to know how far they got before the funding ran out. You know I love the details, Al, but, like, could he even do ABC? Yeah, could he get like, high or buy? Yeah. I mean, like, they're all, like, clicks, aren't they? Like, and do they speak in like, phonics? Yeah. 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 They had font they had the funding for a couple of years at least. So how far did you get? Could he say the dolphin swam in the sea? Like how, how did you get a dolphin in a classroom? I don't know. Bribe him. Bribe him with wankoffs by the sound of it, what she was <laughs> letting him do. If you come in the classroom, I'll let you rub yourself against my leg. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, uh, much love to the people at SeaWorld. We hope you're doing well. I hope the dolphins are all good down there. And Margaret, we hope you're still not working. Let's be honest, because you are at absolute risk wherever you are. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're in an institution somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. Well, look, well done. Uh, well done to you for the story. Well done for the time I've come and I'm speaking the way you did. Um, well done to the fans for listening. Well done to the sponsors. Well done for everyone tuning in every single week. Next week, we've got a belter of a guest. And that's about it, really. Yeah, same from me. So, everybody, stay safe. Wash your hands. Say thank you. Love each other. Be nice to everybody, including your animals, but not the dolphins in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, I think that's key. Peace. TTFN. If you've been affected by any of the subjects we've spoken about on today's episode, please feel free to reach out to your friends and your loved ones. Failing that, you can contact the people at Mind and they'll be able to help. Their number is 0300-123-3393. Or failing that, go to mine.org.uk. Stay safe, be well, and enjoy the sun.